When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from thehomeloanexpert.com studios. Our guest this week, St. Louis native, Hazelwood East grad, University of Missouri journalism grad, and Washington Post writer, Candace Buckner. I can't begin to tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. And I think when I when I think of the interviews... And, I, and oftentimes, for those who, who listen to the podcast, they'll ask, which one was your favorite? And it and it truly is a difficult um, decision, first off, uh, because so many of them have been so good. And then on top of that, they're so different. And I'm not saying they're so good because I've done anything special. It's because the guests have been great. And so often they open up and we wind up having conversations that I certainly did not anticipate. And those are the kinds I like the most. And this interview with Candace would certainly fall under that umbrella. Um, I was aware of Candace because we both went to the University of Missouri Journalism School, I think uh, three years apart, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and she certainly has become quite successful with her writing. And I also knew she was from St. Louis, but we have never met. We still haven't met. This conversation took place over the phone. And, uh, and this was our first chance to have a conversation And the conversation initially, as I had planned it to do, focused on her career, how she got to where she is, uh, riding and covering uh, the Washington Wizards and St. Louis native uh, and Chaminade grad Bradley Beal. Um, And then we wound up getting into a conversation about St. Louis, which I guess is is becoming a common theme on the podcast. It wasn't what I set out to do when we started this thing. Uh, it certainly seems like it's resonating with, with some of you who listen and you enjoy getting these perspectives, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them. And um, in the case of Candace, I don't even know how we got on the topic of the state of St. Louis because we were talking about her career, but it wound up being a really good, I thought anyway, conversation um, about her perspective my perspective, where things are. Uh, I think we were talking about when she travels around the country and the perception of St. Louis from her peers in the NBA and talking about the NBA in St. Louis, which I think uh, I certainly would, and I would imagine many of you listening would think uh, is probably not going to happen, and I am also certain that many of you would love for it to happen but recognize that it's not going to happen. 
Uh, and then there's plenty of you who just aren't really NBA fans, didn't grow up with an NBA team, assuming you aren't uh, a St. Louis Hawks fan or ABA Spirits of St. Louis fan. And so it really isn't something on your radar. For me, I would love it, but I recognize that it's not all that likely. So that's why we were discussing perception of St. Louis. And then as an African-American female, her perspective from growing up on the north side, from my perspective as an Irish Catholic uh, white kid growing up on the south side. Oh, we were talking Lakers Celtics. I think that's another thing. I talked about that with uh, Runny Knott and how I was like, uh, this huge Lakers fan and wasn't even aware of the, the, the oddness of that and still kind of find it fascinating that I loved the Lakers in the 1980s uh, as an Irish Catholic white kid on the South side. And I was on my own Island. Uh, so anyway, we got into that conversation, which led to a really, I thought open and healthy discussion. I love those kinds of conversations. Uh, if every podcast could be that way, that would be great, even if they weren't with the biggest guests. I love those kinds of conversations. As it just so happens, we've wound up having some huge names on this thing since we started it nine months ago and, and have loved those conversations. So I like hearing people's opinions and just kind of sitting back and getting their perspective, especially uh, when they can speak to things firsthand, uh, something from a different viewpoint than I can just because of uh, whether we, where we grew up, race, whatever the case might be. And that's what we wound up having here with Candace. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Candace Buckner, Hazelwood East, University of Missouri Journalism School, and now writing for the Washington Post. Uh, and it took place here in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios over the phone lines. Uh, and Ryan Kelly and his staff at the HomeLoanExpert.com uh, allow us to do these interviews because he has been sponsoring us from the very beginning. And that's why I try to drive home the point that if you love the podcast, please make sure you support the sponsors because without them, there would be no podcast. Uh, Ryan Kelly and his staff online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Five minutes, five minutes, really could be less, but five minutes can save you up to $500 a month on your house payment. So why not go to thehomeloanexpert.com? And when you go, click on one of the tabs. And it says refinance, purchase, and then you can see how much money you can save on a refi. Or if you have a home that you are targeting for a new place to live, you can find out what your payments are going to be just by entering the information there at thehomeloanexpert.com. He's a first-class guy with an incredible staff, a philanthropic heart, and a work ethic that is second to none. It's why his business continues to grow, and it wouldn't be growing if they didn't save customers money and perform their jobs admirably. And that's what they do at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his staff, the sponsor of our studios here on The Tim McKernan Show. So without further ado, my interview with Candace Buckner. Well, one of your most recent pieces was on, uh, was on Jason Tatum, who is crushing it in the early going of his career. Uh, but the thing that I love about Tatum is the manner with which he carries himself and he's always been like this and you thought maybe it would change as he gets to the league but that humility is is still there now granted he's super young but that's right. the that's the vibe I get on him um what's what's your perspective you know I never watched him while he was growing up in St. Louis obviously I was uh out in other places but of course you heard about him and when he won I guess player of the year uh whatever I don't know if that was Gatorade player of the year but some award that he won his senior year like, okay, yeah, this kid is legit. 
And um, those you, you heard Mummerian say he could have went number one in the draft. And um, it sounds like he, if the if the Celtics, you know, if the Celtics had the first pick, they would not have gone with Fultz. They would not have gone with uh, anybody else other than Tatum. So they were highly impressed with uh, what he what he's doing. And I and I think which is a, a which is an interesting set. I think he's one of the few remaining Celtics who have started every game um, of the year. And that says a lot as a rookie, a teenage rookie at that when he started the year. Yeah. That's um, a- says a lot of what they, they, they think of him. That, you did a you did story on him and his, his barber in St. Louis last week. Uh, what, what, what was the story there? <laughs> um, just a little silly piece, really, about um, his hairline. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm very sympathetic way, so. to this topic. What? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, 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 whenever I watch the Boston Celtics on national television, you know, I, you, you watch with your, your tweet deck up, your Twitter account up, and you hear or, or you see the same tweets every game, like how amazing and how sharp his hairline looks. <laughs> so I just decided this deep investigative piece. Yes, absolutely. His hairline. University of Missouri <laughs> Journalism School will be proud. Now, I, bo- I went... Right. I went to the University of Missouri Journalism School. I guess I missed you by two years. That's that's what I'm looking at. If you you got out of there in '02, am I right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't we didn't cross paths. I left there. Uh, my first job was in television in Little Rock, and uh, and then I was lucky enough to get back to KMOV here in St. Louis at the age of 23, uh, which was super cool. I was thrilled. My goal was to get back here by the age of 30. So. You're, you're growing up in St. Louis. I'm obligated, of course, as, as we're both St. Louisans, to ask where you went to high school. Hazelwood East. Hazelwood East. <laughs> Spartans. Spartans, Spartans are, are being represented here. Junior Billikens on, on this end. Um, and so you go, you go to Hazelwood East. Did, while you were at yeah, Hazelwood. You went to Slough. Now, hold on a second. What is that all about? You're, you're too young to remember the 1991 state playoff game. You can't be holding a grudge on that. Oh, no, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> did Larry Hughes go to... Um, no, he no, he just went to college there. Yeah, he so, went. To, he went. He was, he's a, he's CBC cadet. He's a cadet. Okay. And then everybody since has gone to Chaminade, including our uh, previous uh, right. topic, Mr. Tatum. Chaminade's been churning them out like a factory. My cousin went to Chaminade. Oh, is that right? And I assume yeah. I assume he's in the league now. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, the the three degrees of separation that uh, always happens in St. Louis because it's such a small town. Right. So I cover the Wizards for the Washington Post. And one of the guys, of course, is Bradley Bill, was a St. Louis kid. Right. And they won the cha- the state the year they won a state championship. My cousin was on that team, is so that my cousin right? won a state championship with Bradley Bill. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, it is amazing how it works in St. Louis. When you were growing up in St. Louis, you were like, I want to be a sportscaster, sports reporter, or is this something that you stumbled into? Yeah, I wanted to be like uh, Hannah Storm and uh, Ahmad Rashad. And uh, and uh, Robin Roberts. I wanted to be on television yeah. and do basketball or, or cover basketball games, work the sideline. But I realized once I got to Mizzou, I'm a much better writer than I am um, in front of the camera. So it just it just turned out that uh, I, I did get my my bachelor's with an emphasis in broadcast journalism, but I'm I'm far more comfortable. Um, as uh, as as a behind the scenes newspaper reporter. Okay, now this is interesting. We're going to do a deep dive on KOMU TV right here uh, be, because we both have this shared experience. And I have told people 
for example, with the broadcast sequence, which I gather we were both in, um, you, you at least started in there and then wound up getting into writing. But when, when they asked in our first class, how many of you are from the state of Missouri, Gabe DeArmond, <laughs> G- Gabe DeArmond and me were the only two raising our hands. So, you know, Nichelle Turner, I think, was in my class, and I think she's from Columbia, Missouri, you know, on yeah. Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she was uh, She was in our class, I think, as well. And I think she might have went to Rockbridge or Hickman. But either way, the point being that people come from not all over the United States, but all over the world. We had plenty of people who were from Europe uh, who were there to, to go to the University of Missouri because it's that highly acclaimed. And there's a defining moment, I found, because I remember this is 1997 or 8, where the professor says, how many of you want to be the next whatever? I think it was Katie Kirk and Matt Lauer, and I wasn't interested in being either. I was more in the sports realm, but that's what they were asking. And everybody raised, all the women raised their head, Katie Kirk, all the men raised their hand, Matt Lauer, and, and Gabe and I didn't raise our hands for either. But but uh, then then you get that defining moment, Candace, where you stand in front of the camera and you go live, and that is the moment of truth, because some people can do it and some people freeze. So if your goal at Hazelwood East and growing up was to be in front of the camera and then you do go into the broadcast sequence, is it fair for me to ask that that defining moment for you did not go well? You know, actually, um, I think it went okay. I wasn't a star, um, I'll be honest with with you. But um, uh, to be honest, I I didn't really – at that point in my in – my, in my, um, in my career, I was, I was in my young 20s. I was still a tomboy. Hopefully that's not an antiquated term. I didn't like the process of, of my appearance being so much um, part of my job. Interesting. And, and, I, and I actually got an internship right before my senior year, and it was writing. And I only took the writing job because in broadcast internships, you didn't really get paid. So I only took this uh, internship in a newspaper so I could get paid. And I turned up, and it turned out that I loved it. Um, I love expressing myself a little bit longer than you know two minute um, packages. Right. Yep. And again, I, I at that point in my life, I really didn't care that I was going to be judged on um, how straight my teeth are, um, my my hair, my looks. I, I didn't think that was um, prevalent to how capable I was. I could, uh, this, this is wonderful. I couldn't agree with you more on this. And I have, I've told this story plenty of times and very few people can relate. And you clearly can, you can relate more so than anybody else is on the appearance thing. The day of my first live shot at KOMU was with the Harlem Globetrotters and it was at the Hearn Center. So that shows you how far back we're going here. (laughs) And it wound up going really well. Earlier in the day, earlier in the day, I got a prescription for Propecia. I'm 20 years oh. old and I'm getting a prescription Propecia, but I know I want to go into TV. And because I know that having a head of hair can be an important part of the game, I, at 20 years old, am I'm, I'm thrilled to get a prescription for Propecia. And I've told people I don't know which one was more important to my career, the live shot with the Globetrotters or the Propecia <laughs> prescription. But that's that's the nature of the beast. And I think that's right. incredibly sophisticated on your part, especially in your early 20s, to recognize that if you really want to practice journalism, that perhaps writing is, is the better avenue to do that than to have to worry about appearance, because that certainly is going to be a primal factor in who is going to be hired and who's not. You're exactly right. And there are some great television journalists, don't get me wrong. I just felt I was, my lane 
um, is in writing. And I really, I, I, I know you can, you can be an influencer on television for sure because a lot of people watch television. But um, I really like being a behind-the-scenes person that let people know what's what. And um, letting, letting my 800 to 1,000-word stories um, be, uh, be, be the person to tell you what this is important and this is what you should be consuming and form an opinion on. So I, I, I really liked being um, behind the scenes. Well, one of the things that we're told when we're at the journalism school is be ready for a horrible job offer leaving Columbia. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, I was at Little Rock seemed like Manhattan in comparison to where some <laughs> of my peers were going. Gabe started out in Rapid City, uh, South Dakota. Uh, I think he was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was. I think he was bringing in 16k as a sports director. So, where was your first gig? Um, after graduation, because um, I did want to go into newspaper, but I had this big emphasis in broadcast journalism degree. I, I didn't get a, a a full career job. I had to take an internship, so I took an internship at the um, golly, what is it called, Bradenton Herald in Bradenton, Florida. Bradenton, Florida. I, yeah, so I, I covered I covered news, but I always wanted to do sports. So for that summer, I was uh, I was in news, which was great because you you learn I think you you learn more reporting when you're covering something outside of uh, you know yeah. because when you're at a sporting event, stuff is pretty much happening in front of you, it's handed to you, but you learn how to be a reporter um, um, when it's not just sports. So I, I was an intern for three months, and then I got my first gig in Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia, uh, to Kansas City, to Gary, Indiana, to Vancouver, <laughs> to Indianapolis. Am I correct on this? Am I correct on the trajectory? That's pretty good. Yes. That's, you, that's you, 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 so, so I mean, you've covered it all. I mean, you got the South, you got the, the the East Coast now, but 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 Washington State, and giving you a different perspective. Anything stand out to you about being the differences in the different regions from what your readers are interested in to how you covered it there? Yeah, um, of course, in Georgia. Uh, everything focused around high school football. Um, and also seeing that high school b- baseball was uh, kind of big at that time. But, you know, when, you, when I, when I got to Kansas city, high school football was huge. Yeah. But there were, there was also, um, um, basketball. And now I covered Marcus Denman when he was at Hogan prep, Marcus Denman, he was Mr. Insignificant in the draft. I forgot which year. So he was the last pick of the draft, whatever year that was. Um, but I yeah. think he's making a, a great career for himself overseas. I covered Alden Smith um, before he, he went to the NA, um and what do you call that? The NFL? The, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's a curse word here in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the kid from Bishop Meage who won a championship his rookie year in Denver. Gosh, damn it. They're all Ray. running together. Ray, yes. Shane, Shane Ray. Ray. Shane yes, Ray. Good, good, good. So, um, and I think there's another basketball player thrown in there, which – uh, I was I covered Michael Dixon before his problems at Missouri. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So uh, there is a there is a difference, and me being um, so in love with the NBA all throughout my life that that never changed. It was it was uh, it was good to to be in a community like Kansas City and you know Kansas that that loved the bat, uh, loved the sport as well. What do you think about St. Louis and the NBA? I and mean, we I, I would love to see the NBA in St. Louis, but I recognize with losing the Rams and with the MLS getting voted down here over the last, what, 14 months, if I'm not mistaken, that the odds of the NBA coming to St. Louis aren't particularly high. But as an NBA fan and then growing up in St. Louis, what's your perspective? Well, considering that in our generation, 
we we never saw the St. Louis Hawks. Right. So we never really had um, a basketball team. When I was growing up, uh, everybody was a fan. I mean, you were a fan of what was on television. I grew up a big Lakers fan because of the 80s. And I think some kids in my class, they loved the Bulls because they were winning and they were the closest team. But it's not like I like I had friends who 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 made day trips with their families to to Chicago. And by the time I got out of college, you know, the Thunder were in Oklahoma City. I just don't think that a lot of St. Louisans, uh, you know, made that trip down to Memphis or right. Oklahoma City. So, so for us as a community, not to have really strong NBA ties for the last 50, 60 years, to get the Bradley Bills, the Jason Tatums, David Lee, Larry Hughes, and um, other folks I'm missing, it's, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty remarkable, especially – it seems like when I talk to Bradley Bill and he has the AAU team in, in, in town, he's he's excited about the the young crop that's coming up. We have this basketball pipeline. Pretty, it's pretty it's amazing. A, yeah, with some some incredible talent too, and also it seems like really good representatives. You get to cover these guys on a daily basis. What is your rapport like with uh, Bradley Bill? Uh, it's it's good. I would say um, my first impression, and and I and I think that's just um, his the way he is. He is um, very family-oriented. Oriented. He has this large family with four o- o- other brothers, a mom and dad. And I think it's team Bill over everything else, and that's fine. Um, so when you're kind of an outsider, and he has, he has this really close friend that was from St. Louis um, and now plays overseas. So I think he, he, he enjoys a tight circle and getting – you're not going to infiltrate that when you're in, when you're a newbie, mm-hmm. but he's been professional to deal with, and um, that's that's really all I need in a, in a working relationship with the guys that I cover. But he, he gave me a great um, right before he made the All Star break. I, I wanted to do a big throw on him, a big profile. He gave me great time, great access um, to kind of write a story about his life, and and that's all I can ask for. But yeah, I, I would say Brad is just very focused on Team Bill, and that's um. That's, that's no problem. Hope you're enjoying our conversation here with Candace Buckner on the Tim McKernan Show. James Carlton has been a sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show from the very beginning. State Farm agent in Webster Groves. Can't say enough good things about James Carlton. And here is reality for most people. And I don't blame you because I certainly, up until meeting James, would have fallen under this umbrella. You, you get an insurance guy you get an insurance lady, and that's just kind of who you do business with, and you just make the payment. You don't even know what you're paying for. It's probably automatically withdrawn from your account, and that's that. And then something inevitably will happen, and you have to talk with your insurance person or somebody in the office. You're like, man, I barely know this person. This is a huge deal. I don't even know what I'm insured for, and this person really holds my fate in his or her hands. And that is why... Here over the last, oh gosh, six months or so, uh, when I've had a few things pop up and have been able to talk to James Carlton only because I've gotten to know him from advertising on this show, it has been so refreshing. And now I have an understanding and an appreciation for the caliber of work he and his staff do. He wanted me to come by his office in Webster Groves before advertising because he wanted to meet his staff, but he also wanted me to see how many people he had working there. And why did he have so many people working there? Because for James, who's a younger cat, man, it's not like this is, you know, but it's an old school mentality, but I love it. I think any, I don't care if you're 18 and I don't care if you're 70, it doesn't matter. You appreciate this. 
when you call a business office, you don't want to hear automation. You automatically, I know I do anyway, I cringe if I hear automation. And 90% of the time, you're going to hear automation. With James, if it's business hours, he wants you to make sure that you're talking to a real person. Because that way, you know you're going to be able to ask questions and get answers. And whether this be on the biggest investment in your life, like your home, it doesn't matter. You can ask anything at James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agent at 314-961-4800, and you're going to get an answer, and you're going to get it quickly. That's why his business gets the kind of ratings it does online. Carltoninsurance.net or 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. You know, growing up, I remember, like I said, going back to, to Missouri and then starting out my television career in St. Louis, how it was... For example, here's a story. The Cardinals, when I was covering the Cardinals, this was when McGuire was there, uh, and I was working at KMOV, and I'm total fanboy because I'm a Cardinal fan growing up, and I'm in the clubhouse, and I would remember a couple of the guys, and for the purpose of the story, there's no need to name the names, but there was a female reporter uh, at KSDK. There may have been one at Fox Sports Midwest, but when one of the two would walk in, uh, one or two of the guys would yell, we've got a looker in the room, we've got a looker in the room, as a, as in a warning, I gather, to cover up walking out of the shower. Um, what, uh. I think that's what it was. I mean, I was 23 and just total fanboy in the clubhouse, but I look back on that, I, go, I guess that's what was going on. What has your experience been like, female in the locker room and dealing with anything along those lines? Well, I would say um, I only been in a uh, MLB locker room a few times as an intern and a couple sidebars when I was working in Kansas City. Uh, baseball clubhouse is 180 degrees different than an NBA locker room, and uh, culturally, demographics, and and how how things are run. And so, I never had a problem in the NBA locker room. And um, I, I would not, I do not wish to cover the MLB or the NFL, not because I think the, the gentlemen are crass, but I, I find baseball players really to be uh, devoid of personality, whereas basketball, you have 15 guys at the most in the locker room, and the, the league is based off of personalities and characters and people who aren't afraid to be themselves. Um, I've, I've never had a problem, really, and I, I guess it's, um, I, I came along in a, in a time where a, a lot of the younger guys are, were used to having women in a locker room yeah, or, yeah. or female reporters and maybe uh, like that <laughs> McGuire. And I would have been a fan girl because I, I, I still have my, um, my, my Mark McGuire jersey commemorating his 70 home runs. Right. So that was just, that was just a different generation. I, I, uh, I, that's unfortunate that they would think that a, a woman reporter is only there to take peeks when <laughs> when she's trying to do her job. Um, that's ridiculous. But that stuff like that, I'm sure that stuff like that happens in a in an NBA locker room. I'm not going to free them from you know being gauche. But I I haven't I haven't had a problem. There's a quote here I have from you. It says, "I'm not a psychiatrist, but sometimes men feel more open to talking about personal things to a woman." Than they are to a man. That's from from you regarding whether or not you've experienced harassment and or if being a woman in some context actually has advantages. So, do you find that some guys maybe open up more so to you than than male counterparts? You think? I I like to 
lied to myself, and <laughs> well, I like to think so. Uh, there were times when I had to have a, a very personal conversation with Paul George, uh-huh. and I don't know if he would have. Um, that's when I covered the Pacers, right. and he was still at the Pacers. Right. And I, I don't, I don't know if I could have got that stuff. If you know, if you, you just, you know, that that energy, that testosterone, you're em- emanating that mm-hmm. testosterone energy, and you may not, you may not, um, you, you just may not. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I just felt that he was comfortable in sharing some personal things. The same thing with Monte Ellis, who, who was a little bit of a, um, a hard guy to deal with. Of course, I was sitting with his wife too, so I think that made him soften up. And, and I think that just, you know, I don't know if guys just sit around talking about how man life is hard to each other. Right. They feel comfortable in admitting that. Yeah, I have, I have, I have problems dealing with fame, or. I really don't. Um, it really hurt me when my brother was wigging out on drugs. So that's a Monte Ellis story. Mm-hmm. So talking about hurt and emotions and and uh, problems that they're facing, I just don't think that that's a common thing that dudes around talking about. No, you're 100 percent right. You're 100 okay, percent right. Cool. Yeah, well, they well, just may be more comfortable in talking, you know, to a woman. You're exactly right. It. So if they're comfortable, then they're going to open up on other topics, and the next thing you know, you've got them saying something that otherwise they wouldn't say. That's 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 just that's absolutely true. You're 100 percent right. I also have this now. I have to. I have to really it's dig in. Some good quotes. I don't remember saying that. That uh, must have been like well, a television interview. Yeah. Well, uh, my producer here, uh, John Seymour. Oh. This guy is good uh, job, John. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he is. He, this, this, wait, till, wait till you get this one. Now you're going to remember this, though. There's no way you won't. Uh, now it's Shea Serrano's book, so you're going to know. <laughs> you know. You you probably know where I'm going. Dan Marley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing doper than his perfect tan and lead character in an 80s soap opera good looks was his shot. My go-to player on NBA Jam and the real reason the Suns won 62 games uh, that you're making reference to how you got back into the NBA after Magic's HIV announcement. And then, this sounds goofy, but Marley was like my reverse Jackie Robinson, the first white boy I respected as a hooper. I wanted the Suns to crush the Bulls so badly that year that I would have sacrificed my own black card. Alas, MJ <laughs> apparently wanted to preserve my heritage. It's a wonderful, that's almost like a poem. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And as I will say, as a child of the 80s and being a, a, a Showtime fan, people say, Candace, what about Larry Bird? I didn't respect him. I didn't like him. He was a Celtic. So Dan Marley was the first. Caucasian male. <laughs> I really, I was like, he was my favorite player. I love Thunder Dan. It's like, I feel like, I know when you're a kid, you just feel like, like every shot that he takes goes in. But I really felt like he was the best shooter. Kevin Johnson was amazing. I love Elliot Perry. That whole team was just fun to watch. In spite of Danny Ainge's presence as a, as a hated Boston Celtic on that team. But I loved Thunder Dan. He's the best. I, now I, had a, so, I had something similar going on as a child of the 80s, but I didn't recognize it until maybe like the late 90s or early 2000s to show how head in the sand I was. I had, I had Lakers post. Now I'm an Irish Catholic white guy from South St. Louis. And, <laughs> and of course you have, the, so you have the Celtics and Lakers going on. And my bedroom is filled with nothing but Lakers stuff, and I hated the Celtics. And I remember people in wow. my yeah, I know. So people in my neighborhood are going, "What's going on with him?" And I'm like, "How can you not like the Lakers? They got magic. They got worthy. They win every year. They're fun to watch. Why wouldn't you like the Lakers?" And everybody's just kind of looking at me, okay. And now, like, and then like ten years later, I'm like, "Oh, now I see what was going on. I didn't realize <laughs> what was going on, but now I get it." <laughs> 
Um, did you see the three-part series ESPN? Oh, did? yes, absolutely. That was amazing. And living it as a kid, of course, you don't understand, I guess, uh, the racial uh, undertones. Right. And being a Lakers fan or being a, a Celtics fan. But, man, that was such a well-told, um, executed documentary that just, like, yeah, yeah, this this was a really good rivalry. Right. And I, but I had, I'm just like, they play each other and they play each other tight. The series goes seven games. They're battles. They, they fight. That's why I thought it was good. I had no idea. Right. I had no idea that there was a whole lot going on that I was yeah, but whatever. It's, I guess it makes it more entertaining. Now, this surprised me here, John Seymour, also digging this up, that as of 2016, now I don't know if it changed, you were the only African-American woman on the NBA beat. Is that still the it, case? It's changed a couple weeks ago. Ah. Um, there's a young lady named Malika Andrews who will be helping Casey Johnson on the Chicago Bulls beat for the Chicago Tribune. Very cool. That's, that's, so when I saw two. that statement, I was surprised. I was I was legitimately surprised. I was surprised that there weren't like I don't know. I don't. I wasn't I just like I'm surprised you were the only one. That's what I was surprised by. Well, it's, it's interesting in Washington D.C. I would say it's a very diverse um, um, media group, and I always see women. I always see black women. I see um, uh, uh, Asian. Um, men, um, people who speak Mandarin. I see a lot of different people, but I guess full time, I was the only one. And uh, Malika Andrews will be number two. Yeah, well, very cool. Good to hear. Let me ask this: When's the last time you like been back to St. Louis? Is it do you come back for family for holidays? How does it, how does it work for you? Yeah, the last time was Thanksgiving because for the first time in my career, I was covering a, a Christmas game, oh. so I wanted to make sure that. I got to see family for Thanksgiving, so I was I came back for a couple of days. I don't know if I'll come back in the in the summer, but it's always just for family. So the reason I asked this, uh, Candice, is because I wanted to to get your perspective on the state of St. Louis, and then also since you travel around the country, you've worked all over the country, and now you're working really at one of the centerpieces uh, in in Washington and, and at the Post and covering the Wizards. What? A, you think of the state of St. Louis, but then also when you talk to people in, in your hometown comes up what the perception is of the state of St. Louis. All right. Uh, first, uh, very disappointed we weren't in the running to get the uh, the Amazon second headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, disappointed to hear about the MLS. And it just feels like, you know, St. Louis is in need of a renaissance. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess it is what it is for, for right now. When you tell somebody that you're from... St. Louis, it used to be, oh, Nelly, and now it's like, oh, Ferguson. <laughs> and so it's just the, the kind of the civic civil unrest that happened uh, after the Mike Brown uh, murder. So, you know, you know, everybody asks, you know, were you in relation to Ferguson? And that's, that's just always St. Louis. That, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I get to talk to somebody who's from the north side as a kid from the south side, because when I have people on, and I mean, I'll have senators on here, I have Jack Danforth on here, I have Jim Talent on here. Um, and, and well, so have politicians, we'll have athletes and, and, you know, wind up just kind of BSing. And I, you know, grew up in the South side. I live in Kirkwood now, but I love the city. My parents still live on Tam Avenue. And the thing that I always go back to, and, and perhaps maybe it, maybe it, 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 maybe there's some subliminal element to me loving the Lakers growing up and not being aware mm-hmm. of it. But I, I always like on the South side, this really happened. I'm sure this probably doesn't surprise you, but I would hear probably like as an eight year old. If if they move in, you know what they means. If they right. move in, 
I'm putting a for sale sign in the front yard the next day. And I remember thinking to myself, what in the hell is this about? And and so it's not just racism. It's still here 30 plus years later that it's still going on. And my my perspective is there, there are plenty of things that are playing a role in hurting St. Louis and the need for the renaissance, as you just made reference to. But I feel like at the centerpiece of it is bigotry. Because you have a divide, whether it be the Del Mar divide or whatever one would want to call it, that keeps the city from progressing past like the 1980s. And it drives me up the wall. I've had opportunities to to live in New York City and work as an anchor in New York City in Denver. But I've stayed true to the game because I I love my hometown. It's not to say that anybody who leaves doesn't, but I've just had good opportunities here and I'm happy here. My family's here and everything's cool. But I, but what, because you and I have had the, the fortune of, of traveling the country, and I know a lot of people here, of course, because we get to do what we do, don't have that opportunity. You don't see how other places are growing. And I'm not just talking about a New York or Washington or L.A. or Denver or Dallas or Miami or Seattle. I'm talking about a Louisville and Nashville and Indianapolis where you were and how they are passing St. Louis. And so you've right. got a chance to see these things. What is your perspective on, A, our problems here, but B, what they're doing elsewhere that are making them move forward? Well, to kind of go back to the Jason Tatum story, his barber is Puerto Rican. And I was shocked when he told me his barber's uh, name because my first thought was, there's a Latino community in St. Louis. Yeah. And you talk to you talk to the barber and he's like, he's the only he feels like he's the only one. And he's probably right. We are too black and white. Mm-hmm. St. Louis has lacks diversity, and uh, obviously we know. I'm from North County, but North County, I it's it's obviously North County is very different than South County, and it's just just too it's just too um, it's just too black and, and white. Um, I don't know how that will change, and and I don't I don't I don't consider St. Louis Southern. At all, and I actually got really offended when people would think that Missouri—we'll call it that—and and think that Missouri is a uh, is a southern um, southern state, southern uh, southern town. I, I just feel like for for, for progress for St. Louis to grow, there needs to be a, a more of a, a, a adaptation that's closer to what America looks like outside of outside of uh, those borders. Because even Indianapolis. Um, they are they are indeed a red okay so they're a blue dot in a red state right but they are they have found some ways to grow and to be relevant in 21st century uh, we have the cardinals we have the blues uh, what else is st louis known for really yeah i mean and that's the thing that that is, is when people say oh you're proud about the cardinals well, yeah i'm proud about the cardinals but i hope a day comes in my lifetime where we're known for something other than than fans standing up and cheering when a defensive player makes a really nice play against the Cardinals and called the best fans in baseball, and, right. I, and I feel like that time has to, has to come. And I think what's happened, Candace, over the last five years, unfortunately, because they're the potential byproducts of some very sad things, going back to Ferguson, going back to the Rams leaving, and going back to the MLS vote. That whereas before when I was on the radio or on television talking about our problems and people like, oh, you just think you've got it going because you get to fly to L.A. or New York and cover games, uh, you know, don't forget that you came from South City and you think you're so much, which is not the case. I'm just like, I'm lucky I get to do this stuff. And then secondarily, I would get chastised for talking about problems. Now, because of these things, I think there is at least an awareness 
that there are problems, whereas before it was some semblance of denial. And so I guess in order for there to be progress, there has to be acknowledgement that there is a problem. You, you, you do feel that, that people in, yes. in the community, big and time. I'll say white, white people in the community uh, yes. understand that they're showing. Big time, big time, which, which trust me, I mean, for real, like, like as recently as three years ago, for example, there's a, and I'm not to say, is to say that this is the man that's going to fix it all. He just happened to be a guest on the show. And I wasn't even aware that there was a St. Louis County ele- executive election in August until he came on the show, um, who came in. And he was talking about the need for change. And he said, you know, he's, I think he's a 62-year-old gentleman who's made a lot of money. And he said, I have zero interest in running for anything else. If people aren't happy hearing about the need for change in St. Louis, then do not vote for me. I don't want your vote because I'm coming in and we're going to make changes. And whether you like it or not, it has to happen. Otherwise, we are going to continue to get lapped. What's next, Des Moines? Those were his words in the studio. I'm like, this is great to hear, you know, as opposed to the status quo that has led us to getting lapped. And so I do think there is an awareness. Now, would I call it a majority? No, because you do have municipalities uh, whether it be Sunset Hills, Chesterfield, Ellisville, I think there are a couple of others that want nothing to do with a merger with the city and county. Uh, but at least there is an awareness. And I think there's a surge in some young people, some of whom from are out of town who are moving here for right. the tech up uh, startups that I feel like the seeds are at least planted, not to say that this is going to turn around in five years, but the seeds are planted. And at, at first there has to be a recognition that there is a problem. And, and, and I felt like at least the first 15 years of my career in St. Louis, I felt like I would get shouted down when I would talk about it. Whereas now at least there's an open mindedness to it, or there's an acknowledgement and don't get me wrong. Of course, there are those who resisted or say, Oh, you're going to make everything racial. Well, I'm not making everything racial. I'm just looking Hey, there is a problem. I mean, my God, the city is divided. It's like a Mason Dixon line and you're not, you're not tapping into your resources. If you don't acknowledge half the community. I'm, I, obviously, I haven't really lived there since I was 18 years old. So over half my life, I've lived other places, and I just I've just come back for for holidays and family gatherings. And I, I did totally forget I was in St. Louis. I I, uh, I came down in February for for my sister's big 40th birthday bash, and I, I I felt you know comfortable at home. We had a great time in Lafayette Square, surrounded by uh, white people. Never had a problem. Birthday party was at Bristol, surrounded by white people, never had a problem. So I feel like we have this Midwest nice thing where we can be comfortable around each other and treat each other well. But um, it, it was disappointing when uh, I guess Jason Haywood would come back and he said he heard the N-word um, shouted at him. Yeah, that that one at a Bush Stadium game. Yeah, that you know what? That's a story because I because listen, if anything, I I I I I want I do talk about it on the air often. Obviously, we're talking about it here, Um, but I also want to stick to the facts. And unfortunately, that was a story that was later to be proven to be untrue. Because I thought to myself, yeah, because I thought to myself, I mean, for as bad as it can be, and it can be bad. I'm thinking to myself, if you're at Bush Stadium, and this was like a Tuesday night game, so it wasn't packed, and somebody screamed that out, and there would be no witness to it, and no, and everybody would be like, oh, that's fine, you know, good thought, you know, that, that nobody would say anything. I, I, that, that, to me, seemed far-fetched, so we dug into it, and uh, and the thing that was disappointing about it, but, I mean, you know you know the game, uh, doing what you do with the Washington Post, is it's out there. You didn't get reported. Yeah, and then it then then the then the retraction doesn't get near the attention as the initial story. So that's and I do follow the Cardinals, and for for me not to have heard about the retraction, 
um, that's that's saying something. Yeah. So. Yeah, because that, that one, when I heard that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And not just because it would happen, but that it, it would happen and that nobody said anything about it, uh, you know, in, in front of people. I mean, you just got to be you just got to be kidding me. But at the same time, you know, John Mazalock, the cardinal president of baseball operations, he's acknowledged. He said, you know, we wanted to bring Dexter Fowler here in part because it gives a representation of the community. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not just hiring or signing players because of their backgrounds, but he's a talented player. And also we've had a lack of diversity on the team over the last few years. Uh, and you bring an educated, uh, what power I think could have gone to Dartmouth. I think he said on our show before, I mean, this is a smart guy, but you know what, uh, Candace, you know, I don't know how aware you are of this, but, uh, he was asked about the uh, immigration policy impacting his family because his wife is Iranian and he said, yeah, it's it's it makes it difficult for our family. He didn't go on some anti-Trump rant by any means. And then immediately he gets lit into by a healthy number of people that, you know, it was clearly is or it was either blatant racism or the standard code words where he gets lit up and he hadn't even played a game yet. And I'm going, oh, God, here we go. You know, wow. it, it's so unfortunate because I think he could be attractive to the entire St. Louis Cardinal community, much less the African-American community. And and I think since then, I don't feel like he's felt as comfortable being, uh, you know, too talkative, which is super unfortunate. It happened in spring training of his first year here. That is that is disappointing. It's, it's funny that the, I think um, baseball clubhouses are, I, I would guess, would lean uh, more Republican and in Washington, D.C., which is very, very liberal. Uh, you know, in spite of whoever's in office, uh, they had Jonathan Papelbon walking around with a Make America Great Again hat uh, inside the clubhouse. So, like, within this very community of Washington, D.C., he still felt, you know, uh, empowered enough to to voice his, uh, to voice his um, Is that why Harper political leanings. I don't know. <laughs> this might have been before or after. And I don't know where Bryce leans. He's, a, you know, he's. He's trying to make money, so I don't. I, yeah, I think he's, he's probably keeping he's it quiet. A, I guess apolitical. Yeah, he's yeah. probably trying to keep it quiet. So I've really enjoyed the conversation. You're obviously veered into a topic that I didn't necessarily plan on getting into, but I like having the conversation. Uh, that is for sure. Final question. Final question. Because we'll jokingly talk about it. Um, and, and I realize, like I said earlier in the interview, Candace, it's, 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 I mean, I don't even know if it's 1%, but there is talk of the NBA expanding. Certainly Seattle always gets talked about. And then I saw a, a cohort of ours from the University of Missouri, Jarrett Sutton, saying he spoke with an NBA executive and that Kansas City inevitably yeah. is going to get an expansion team. Uh, yeah. First off, when do you think the NBA is going to expand? Where do you think it's going to expand? And if and when it would ever happen, do you think St. Louis uh, and the NBA would be a good relationship. A three-part question to fire at you before you go. <laughs> yeah, I always thought it would be Kansas City because of the Sprint Center, right. and they they made it to and they, and they built a power and light district. And, and from what I understand, I left in 2011. From what I understand, even even from now, uh, from then to now, it's it's even better. So that's that's an amazing venue, and plus. Um, they're somewhat of a, a basketball community because they have K- KU 30 miles, boo, KU 30 <laughs> miles away. But, you know, you have you have people who are built in that love basketball and high-level basketball. Um, so I, I would think the, the order would be Kansas City, Seattle, maybe Mexico City. I don't see – is this still the Savoy Center? What is it called? What is, what is the name of the arena now? Ah, I don't know. I know what you're talking because I saw an article on it uh, here recently, actually. 
but I don't in know. In St. Louis, the arena in St. Louis. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mexico City, because I, I saw an article oh, no, about no, Mexico no. City okay. and expansion. Well, the St. Louis, one, I, yeah. they, they literally just renamed it this morning to the Enterprise, and I don't know if it's anybody Enterprise, but it has an Enterprise rent-a-car, but it was a Scott Trade Center. My word. Okay, so I can't keep up with the name of the arena there, yeah, but it just I don't happened know two hours ago. <laughs> I don't know if it's a. I don't. I mean, it's it's it was built for uh, it's a hockey alignment. So I don't know if uh, St. Louis will even be in the running right. for an NBA team. Um, you would have to have it would have to be something like Oklahoma City. You would have to have an owner from St. Louis who just wants to. He has a a, a boatload of money. And he's going to bring a franchise here. Yeah. But as far as like expansion, there are 30 teams right now. And I guess if they expand, it would make sense to bring in two. And I would just think uh, Seattle and Kansas City are the ones. But I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I really don't think expansion is, is happening anytime too soon. Oh, really? do you think any teams are like on the verge of kind of like unfortunately what we dealt with here with the Rams on a relocation? Um, you know, you hear these rumors about Memphis. Oh yeah, but. Um, and and I, I've heard I've heard this kind of like um, in passing, like wow, they really need a great draft pick because this guy needs to save the franchise. Like, okay, I didn't know it was that serious. Yeah. But they they kind of have been um, um, a little bit too bad in that small market for a, um, maybe a little bit too long. So maybe they'll relocate. But uh, I I would still think Kansas City. Over St. Louis, unfortunately. No, I, I love yeah, the NBA. I, know. I, love I agree my with you. But I mean, they don't have a winter team there. I mean, obviously they have the Chiefs, but it, NHL versus NBA, they they would have the market to themselves. And as you made reference, they have the Sprint Center just sitting there. The Grizzlies were supposed to be coming here. Do you remember that in like 2003 when Bill Laurie owned the Blues? Like the hot story was Vancouver was going to move to St. Louis, and then it wound up being uh-huh. Memphis. Yeah, how about that? Oh, I I somewhat remember that, but I don't I don't get the I don't. I don't remember the details. That would have been amazing. Oh my god! Fifteen years ago, we were looking to be in a four-sport city, and now we're sitting we here. Could with have two. had big, big country. Big country would have been in St. Louis. <laughs> Candace, I've enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. We've never met, but I look forward to meeting you. Continued success on your great career growth and covering the Wizards and the NBA for the Washington Post. Congratulations on all your success, and thank you so much for the time this afternoon. I really do appreciate. Thanks so much for the invite. It's 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 such an honor to be. Um, to be on a, a hometown podcast and, 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 and talk to a, a person like yourself. So thank you so much. Thank you, Candace. Take it easy. So there it is, our conversation with Candace Buckner of the Washington Post here from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm curious what your thoughts were, uh, whether it be the NBA discussion or whether it be the state of St. Louis discussion. Uh, you're always welcome to email me. Uh, I enjoy communicating with the audience, and and I read I read everything. So T McKernan at InsideSTL.com, and uh, I just like getting feedback. I, I, and even if it's critical, it's fine with me. It's that's all part of the game. Personal attacks could really do without those. You're not really advancing uh, whatever opinion it is if you're going to make personal attacks. But a dissent and a, a reasoned dissent stating your case. God bless America. That's the name of the game. So I don't I don't need you to to email me to tell me how, how wonderful something was if you didn't think it was wonderful. If you thought, you know what, I've enjoyed this, but I didn't enjoy this, that's great. I like feedback. And in the case of the conversation with Candace, uh, went into it thinking, okay, I'm going to talk about her career. We're both University of Missouri journalism products. She's had some great success, uh, continues to have great success. And then we wandered into this discussion on St. Louis 
um, that uh, I really enjoy. I like talk. I like talking NBA as well. I, I recognize that some people are just averse to it because there's not a St. Louis team here, or whatever reason they might not like it. I love you know here. I've enjoyed watching the. The Cavs and Celtics and the Warriors and Rockets and the playoff rounds earlier, but I don't really talk about it on the Ryan Kelly Morning After because I recognize you're not necessarily appealing to a, a huge audience, uh, just like me talking poker or golf. I know I love both of them, but I also recognize it's not a huge audience unless you're talking about the Masters or U.S. Open uh, or this year, of course, in St. Louis, the PGA Championship. So in this case, hey, you're picking to, to listen, so you're obviously wanting to hear about her career and also... Um, you know, the NBA, but the bonus of the discussion was the conversation on St. Louis. And uh, and I really enjoyed hearing her perspective and going back and forth on the topic. So I thank Candace for coming on the show, and uh, and I thank her for what wound up being a really candid and enjoyable conversation. So continued success to her. The HomeLoanExpert.com studios is where I sit, and we thank Ryan Kelly for his sponsorship. We thank James Carlton of the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency for his sponsorship. And also Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. So good to have Johnny Landoff Chevrolet on board the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, Man, I've uh, gotten to know John, who you've been seeing on commercials now for a good long while, and his sons, and can't say enough good things about them. My wife just got her car from Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, and that is a business that has been around in St. Louis for decades and you know they're going to be around for decades more. It's a family business. When you go out there, you feel like family, just really good people. And I always enjoy talking with the Landoffs and their incredible staff at Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. Enjoyed the conversation with Candace Buckner. Looking forward to our regular interviews on Monday and then questions from the audience on Thursday on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.